Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome into the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam. Verderam, the draft happened. So that happened. There's We have new Chiefs. Lots to talk about. How, how'd you survive? You and I both got our COVID shots on the same day, and then you had to cover the draft. I had to watch it. How'd you do? I, I mostly did fine. I had, uh, I had very minor symptoms. I never got a fever. I, I, I didn't have to like lay in bed all day. I, did, I took like one like three-hour nap, I think. And the worst part of it really was I had a minor headache, and I had some body aches, but nothing... Not, like, you, know, you hear these horror stories of people that are like in bed for a week. I definitely not the case. Like if I had had 18 holes on the docket, which I actually did. So the day that I got my shot, it was like, all right, we're going to go play. Uh, my buddy of mine and I were going to go play golf. And we ended up, we ended up going to the driving range. We were there for like an hour and a half. And I was fine enough after my shot to go, to go do that. And then afterwards, yeah, covered the draft. So it was not that uh, not bad. Things didn't work out as well for me. I, uh, it, it, you know, my birthday's next week. And so I had to go at my, my license, my old New York license is expiring. And people have been, I've been living in, in Illinois for over five years now. And people are like, why don't you get an Illinois license? I'm like, have you ever been to the DMV? I'm not going until this, I'm a, I'm a resident of the state of New York until this sucker expires. Yeah. Um, but now with COVID and everything, it made it a lot harder to get a new license. And I, I'm living in Wisconsin at the moment. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to Illinois to get my shot right right by near where you live. And so I'm like, I'm going to go to the Rockford DMV. And I talked to you that day and you were like, yeah, I went right in and right out. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, that did not was not my experience. I stood in line for an hour just to get up to the 
the registration desk so they could ask me what I was there for and then give me a number. So I got there, my shot was at three, 20 minutes up the road. I got there at 12.40 and uh, it was it was 2.30 and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta leave. I'm sitting in my car waiting for them to call me. I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta go get this COVID shot. So the woman from the DMV called, of course I get 10 minutes down the road. I figured at that point it was taking so damn long that I might be able to go get the shot and come back before they called my number. And she, you know, of course, as soon as I get like 10 minutes down the road, she calls me, hey, it's your turn. So I explained the situation to her, you know, like a rational human being. I wasn't all mad or angry. I was like, hey, you know, I have to get this COVID shot. I've been here for, you know, over a couple hours. Like I'm number 34. Like when I, when I come back from the shot, can you just talk me out? And like, can I just come in and, and go do my thing? Nope. You'll have to start over. That's what she says. I was like, man, screw you, lady. Like, I know you work in the fifth circle of hell. It's like the DMV and the towing garage are like the two worst places for a human being to, to work. But like, cut me a break. And then I came back and I just, I, I got back in the line, like a good citizen, waited, it was about 20 minutes at this point, got up to the front and the woman at the information desk is like, you were here earlier. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, we called you hours ago. And I was like, I had to get a COVID shot. I explained to him on the phone. I got back and she's like, just go. And I was like, jeez. <laughs> so I got the license. And now, of course, they're mailing it to my house that I'm moving out of. So hopefully the, the mail redirect works or uh, who knows? Somebody's getting a, a brand new license on me. Good uh, Good luck to you. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then I got the COVID shot. And then I got a 101 degree fever for like 24 hours. That sucked. It's not good. No, not good. no. DMV and, a, and and getting a shot that makes you sick all in one day, pretty much. Uh, it, it wasn't quite on the level of watching that Super Bowl, but it was uh, it was in the ballpark. It's close. It's close. It is the uh, <laughs> it close. is the Aaron's version of Super Bowl Fifty Five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Let's talk a little bit of Chiefs here. Um, but actually, you know what? Before we get into that, I just got some breaking news that slid across my desk. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to read this copy for you. Uh, this is a uh, this is a PSA brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is my favorite part of this PSA. This is your pubic service announcement and the news we've all been waiting for. Vergram, I know you've been waiting for this. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. How excited are you about this? I'm pumped. I'm going to buy multiple. <laughs> they sent me one, this new trimmer. It just released moments ago, uh, and I got my hands on it. Uh, join the over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You know we trust Manscaped here at Arrowhead Attic. Uh, they sponsor this podcast, and they've got we got an exclusive deal for you. Get this new this new trimmer. If you didn't buy the last time around when they were selling the, the 3.0, it's it's 20% off, free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Um, it's next level razor. It gets, it's got the ceramic blade, the skin safe technology. You're not going to cut yourself. You got like, this is the, the, the big headliner for me. Um, they, they worked, Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to, uh, to build this wow. thing. So, so basically like you can send your, I, I wonder if they're going to send a Manscaped razor up into space. Like they did that Tesla. Wow. Okay. That, that's uh that's a lot of research that went into that. Listen, it's a, it's a great product, and uh, you know, listen. If, if you're in a situation where you should need it, you should probably buy it. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the cool thing about this one is that it's it's got a um, it's got a a four thousand K LED spotlight on and off for when you need that precise shave. And like, I'll tell you what, when I'm when I'm in doing my business down there and and, and cleaning things up, I need to be able to see what I'm doing. 
This is not this is not an area where you want to be, you know, slipping up, so to speak. That's fair. That's very <laughs> That's fair. fair. So again, manscaped.com. If you like the podcast, you want to support us, support the show, and and you need to to take care of your grooming needs. Fan sided twenty. It's going to get you twenty percent off and free worldwide shipping. Manscaped.com. Fan sided twenty. Thank you, Manscaped, for supporting the show. Okay, let's talk about the draft. Uh, the 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 Chiefs did a little bit of. Uh, of of adding to their uh, to their garden here with some picks. So let's start with the with the first round pick. We don't need to talk a lot about the first round pick, which what didn't actually happen, but did was Orlando Brown. The Chiefs used their first round pick on Orlando Brown. So if you're if you're a draft Nick and, and you you like the the first round, that's who they picked. And so basically, the Chiefs got a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle with their first round pick. Uh, guaranteed. Don't have to wait three years to see how it pans out. You, that okay with you, Verderam? Yeah. I, I, look, um, they clearly said we're not going to take a chance. We're not going to screw around with this. We're willing to include a third round pick, and, and they got a second back. And I mean, you know, we already we all know the trade, but yeah. Um, and I think the way the board fell, could the Chiefs have gone up? And gotten a guy further up the board? Yeah, they could have. I mean, they were willing to to trade all that capital for Orlando Brown. But would they have been willing to trade that same kind of capital for an unknown quantity? My guess is probably no. Um, and the way it fell, the Chiefs would have probably been looking at Tevin Jenkins, which maybe Tevin Jenkins turns out to be great. But I'll, I'll say this. People get so enraptured with the draft, especially the draft nerds, and I say that lovingly, but um, – you know, like I remember a couple of years ago when, when Cody Ford fell to the second round. People were just, he's an incredible steal. I'm like, Cody Ford's been fine. Like they kicked him inside the guard. Like it's just, you know, and Tevin Jenkins might be great. Maybe he turns into Anthony Munoz, but like maybe he also just turns into a guy and you're a hell of a lot better off having Orlando Brown. So, yeah, I think like, I will forever defend that trade. Forever. Yeah. That trade is a home run of a deal. And, and, and uh, you know, I look at these draft picks that they are currency. They're money. You can use them to buy things. You can use them to buy new young players that are a little bit of an unknown, or you can use them to buy a known quantity. And look, Brett Veach has done a great job using his currency in the draft to trade up for players like, oh, I don't know, Patrick F. Mahomes. Um, so, you know, I, I trust Veach on this one. Great, great deal for the Chiefs who are trying to win a couple Super Bowls here. And in, in the next few years. So Orlando Brown's going to help them do that. Let's get into the actual picks. And the prism through which I want to look at these picks is our guy over at arrowheadaddict.com, Lyle Graverson. If you read the website, you know Lyle. I actually brought Lyle on board as a staff writer way back in the Stone Age when I was running the website. Lyle has actually, and, and I've got to reach out to him personally to congratulate him on this. This year, Lyle has been with Arrowhead Addict for 10 years. He was there when I, when I was there. He was there when you ran the site, Matt. Um, he's been incredibly consistent, doing great work. His Monday column is a must-read every Monday. And and he's just there for you, providing great Chiefs content. So congrats to Lyle on 10 awesome years at Arrowhead Addict. He's done some writing at fansided.com as well in the past. He was he was great when I was there. Uh, yeah. you know, I worked there for a few years working the site and, and Lyle always had great stuff. Always went up Monday morning when I was there. And uh yep. it was a deserved slot. He he does tremendous work. He does. And and so I wanna he does it he does a great draft grades column after every draft. And I really like the way that Lyle does his grades because he, he grades on um 
five things, right? He grades them on draft slot value versus reach, best player available, need slash immediate impact, long-term upside, and fit with the Chiefs. And then he, he totals all that up to give them an overall grade. So it's really nice, comprehensive. So I thought we could go through the picks. We'll give our thoughts on them. We'll tell you what Lyle thought. And then you should check out his article on arrowheadag.com. came out three days ago. The title of the article is Grading the Kansas City Chiefs 2021 NFL Draft Class by Lyle Graverson. Uh, we'll put the link in the show description as well. Okay, so the first pick in the second round, the Chiefs' second first second round pick of two, number 58, probably the most controversial pick of the draft for the Chiefs, I would say was linebacker Nick Bolton. Um, so Bolton comes out of Missouri. He was one of the top linebacker prospects in the draft, but was was uh, somebody that uh, people thought that the Chiefs could have got later. A lot of the criticism is that maybe this wasn't a big area of need for the Chiefs. I've seen some people say, hey, look, he's not going to unseat Neiman and, and Hitchens, so why are we taking him with our first pick in the draft? What was your take on this pick, Verderam? Of all the picks they had, this was probably the pick that I was the most ho-hum about. Um, and maybe there's one other one which we'll obviously get to. I I think Bolton could be a good player. Like I, I don't want to make it out as though um, I don't think he has talent. Because I went back after the Chiefs drafted him, and I, and I knew we'd be talking about this, and I watched his film against Georgia, and I watched against Alabama. And I want to be clear, by the way. People love to say that, like, the, like there's some savant. I watched the YouTube film. Because I, I did not have time to email the University of Missouri and ask them for their all 22 film. Um, I see the talent. I also see a guy, in my opinion, that sometimes it's a little hesitant to react. Um, you know, a, a guy that I, I think the instincts need to be sped up a little bit. That said, I they took him because when he does read the play right, he's he's a missile to the ball. I do think he can cover. I could see in, in Spagnuolo's defense, I could see where they could use him as a blitzer. Um, so I don't hate it. Like, it's a late second round. If they had taken him 20th overall, I, I would have had an aneurysm. But, it, it you know, 57 or 58, whatever it was, um, I just I would have given it like a C+. I, I, don't, I don't love it. I don't hate it. Um, I, I, I thought it was an okay pick. Well, the Chiefs are obviously enamored with this guy. I think the Chiefs, you know, Brett Veach said that the value was just too great there, uh, that he was on the board. His NFL comparison on NFL.com is Denzel Perriman. I'll tell you what Lyle had to say about him. Um, he said, uh, while his spot on big boards varied a lot, his average put him somewhere in the early to mid-second round. So you can't knock the Chiefs for taking him in the late second round. I think there will always be people that will watch the career of wideout Terrace Marshall to see if the Chiefs made the right choice on taking Bolton over him. Um, Boogie Bosham would have been another intriguing pick in the slot, but he thinks he's going to be a great, he's a great fit for the Chiefs defense and they contribute to the 4-3 defense and eventually earning time in sub packages. I mean, what do you think here? Like the, 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 the chorus of people that say he's not going to unseat Neiman and Hitchens. If the Chiefs were happy with Neiman and Hitchens, why did they take, why, why have they taken Willie Gay and now Nick Bolton? You know, in back-to-back years. Oh, because they're getting ready to move on from them. I mean, Hitchens, this is this is going to be Anthony Hitchens last year in Kansas City, barring something really surprising. Okay? They want Nick Bolton to replace Anthony Hitchens. They, they're not going to come out and say that, of course. That'd be a pretty offensive to Anthony Hitchens, but I, I think that's pretty obvious. And 
Ben Eamon is not good. They know that. Now, I know people say, well, if they know that, why'd they bring him back? Because there's nobody better than him. That's why. Which is which is bad, and that's why they've also drafted Willie Gay and they've drafted Nick Bolt, and they're trying to revamp that linebacker core, but they're not pouring massive capital into it because, frankly, on their defense, it's the most unimportant position. They need a very good defensive line because they have to get pass rush, and they need in Spagnuolo's defense because of how often they blitz. You have to have corners who can hold up, and, and you, you are very much behooved to have a safety who can play deep, which is what Thornhill does, and a safety who can, who can roam. And obviously, they have the perfect guy for that in Tyron Matthew. Okay. Now, those things I just said are true of a lot of defenses, but especially with Kansas City. When you look at the Chiefs, a lot of times there's one linebacker on the field. At most, there's two. I mean, they, they do play a 4-3, but you very rarely ever see them with three linebackers on the field. Right, only maybe in like a short yarded situation. So they're not going to spend a real, real, real top pick on a linebacker unless the unless the unless the value is just incredible. And so this is probably the highest they're going to spend on a linebacker, and they've spent two second round picks. That's real capital. I I think this year you'll see those guys more, but I still don't think they're going to be on the field a ton. I think it'll be twenty twenty two where they really both kind of start to take over so to speak do you think that obviously you know the nfl it's it's passing league now it's spread them out but do you think part of this investment in the linebacker core is that brett veach is looking at the landscape of the afc and he's saying who are some of the teams that i have to get by and you've got obviously the baltimore ravens the way that they like to run the football with lamar jackson and now you look at the cleveland browns they've got a limited quarterback in baker mayfield where their strength is running the football and, and then you got another another team in the Buffalo Bills who they don't have a strong run game right now, but Josh Allen is, a, is strong with running the football. And so do you think part of this is him looking at some of those teams that they might need to get behind being like, we need guys that can come in. And of course, I, I, I shouldn't forget Derrick Henry in Tennessee, who's somebody that you got to stop, who can wreck a game for you and saying, we need guys, we need to be able to, when we have to, go in there and shut down what some of these top AFC contenders like to do best. It's a good point. I honestly never really thought about it, but yeah, there's probably some, some truth in that. And the culture, another one, Jonathan Taylor, right? Like I think um, there's probably some truth in that. I think, I think the biggest thing with, with Bolton and gay is they have the capacity to cover, which is something that Chiefs have just been absolutely destroyed on. Like, I think the biggest thing is they need to cover tight ends and they just have not been able to do it in recent years. I mean, Gronkowski, two touchdowns on them. They, you know, in, in the in the Super Bowl at the Niners, Juszczyk had a big game in the passing game, and, and Kittle was was a problem. That Chiefs ends up winning, so who cares? But yes, I think you're always looking to improve. And part of it too is Chiefs are just really good, and there's just not a lot of things you need to improve on. Like, part of it is just you know, okay, well, who are you taking, right? I mean, you, you could argue a receiver, fine. And I'm going to argue, by the way, that receiver point we're going to get to in a second here when we get to the next pick. But um, no, I I think that's a good point. I do. And I think there is some truth in that. And, and you need to keep an eye on what's going on around you and make sure that you're able to to kind of fortify where teams might try to take advantage of you. And we know we've teams have tried to do that. Hey, keep keep Mahomes off the field and you got a chance to win. So Lyle's grades for this pick, his draft slot value versus reach is a B plus for Bolton. Best player available, a B. A need immediate impact, he gave that an A. Chiefs do need a little help at, at the middle linebacker spot. 
long-term upside B and fit with the Chiefs A. So he gave this pick overall a, a B plus. So Lyle a little bit higher on the Bolton pick than some others in the Chiefs kingdom. But that takes us to the second round pick, a much more popular pick, maybe the most popular pick, maybe the second most popular pick the Chiefs made on the draft weekend. And that's with their second second round pick, round two, pick 63, center out of Oklahoma, Creed Humphrey. This guy's he's got a nasty streak, doesn't he? Chiefs fans love this pick. What was your take on this one, Verdran? Loved it. Of all their picks, uh, this one to me is, is the best pick. Now, there are a couple picks later that I'll, I'll get to that I also love. Um, but this one to me is just the biggest slam dunk of a pick. I think Humphrey was the best center in the draft. And Landon Dick- Dickerson out of Alabama might be maybe the better player overall, but he has such an incredibly long injury history. Um, and Philly took him in the early second. If he didn't have an injury history, it would have been a top 20 pick. But I think Humphrey is just a phenomenal talent. I mean, this is a kid who, if the Chiefs had taken him at 31, I wouldn't have gone crazy. Like, this is a guy who um, played three years at Oklahoma, I, I believe didn't give up a sack his entire time there. Uh, and you watch the I mean, you watch the tape or whatever you want to say. I mean, this is a guy who he mauls you up front. He's got great leverage. He's a former wrestler, which explains a lot of that. He's got great technique. Uh, good friend of mine over at the, the Athletic who does great work, Seth Kaiser. He he pointed out and on his own website, which you should subscribe to, by the way, it's excellent. Um, you know, this is a guy who's always looking for work, head on a swivel. To me, the Chiefs had figured out their long-term plan at left tackle, at left guard, hopefully at right tackle with Niang. Now they should have figured this out here with, at center. That's a big, big deal. And I think he competes with Austin Blythe right away. I think there's a very good chance he wins the job, um, which if he and Niang both start, that's two rookies on the line. But I think the Chiefs, look, this kid is big time. I, I thought it was a great pick by Kansas City. Yeah, same. When you see the tape, he he can really scoot. He can get around the field. He can get downfield, help make blocks. I think he's a really good fit for the kind of offense that the Chiefs want to run. Um, and, and, and to your point, gets great leverage. Uh, Lyle says, I think Humphrey's a great fit for the Chiefs. He's a smart player who's a leader and makes the right calls at the line. He's also a good athlete for someone of his side, and his wrestling background makes him a good fighter in the trenches. I would stop short of saying he has elite upside, I don't know that he will always be uh, up to his athletic testing numbers. He can move well. He doesn't fly all over the field. And while he's strong, he doesn't usually drive bigger players out of the play. However, he doesn't have a single glaring weakness. He should be a dependable starter for years to come. And and that's with your center. I mean, that's what you want. Like you want a good, dependable center. It's going to get the ball to Mahomes. Who's not going to be giving up big plays up the middle, letting people come running through. And it can move a little bit and help you run your offense. And you just never know how these guys are going to turn out. You know, like when the Chiefs took Rodney Hudson, we were all like, okay, this guy looks good. Turns out to be a fantastic player. And this is where we land on, on Lyle's grades. Draft slot value versus reach. A, best player available. A, Lyle thinks he was the best player on the board when the Chiefs took him. Need immediate yep. impact. A, long-term upside. B plus and fit with the Chiefs. A, overall pick. A, I think just a great pick. It's one of those picks where when you have the luxury, when you have a good deep team like the Chiefs do, you could take a center in the second round, and now you're looking at this Kansas City Chiefs line. And if you think Creed Humphrey is going to start, boy, boy, oh boy. Like, they're looking good. good. 
they're looking good. And if and if, if something were to happen with, you know, I think other teams are interested in Mitchell Schwartz, but if Mitchell Schwartz does decide to play and he comes back, yep. And and you get and then you get it then you get a season where Nyang gets to redshirt behind Mitchell Schwartz and you start Humphrey and you're looking at that line and you're just like holy crap like how are you going to how are you going to stop this offense it's uh, exactly what the Chiefs needed to do i am thrilled with this pick um all right let's let's move it on to the next round which was the fourth round the Chiefs did not have a third round pick and this was an interesting one everybody was clamoring for edge clamoring for edge we need an edge rusher they go with defensive end out of Florida State Joshua Kando Round four, pick 144. What's your take on this one, Vertoram? He's a project. Uh, he's, he's a projection, which in, in the first couple of rounds would have driven me nuts. In the fourth round, I don't mind. He didn't have a sack last year at Florida State. He had some in the, in the previous couple of years. Lengthy kid, long kid. Came out of, out of high school as the number four overall recruit in the country. So the pedigree's there. I get it. They see an athlete. They see somebody that maybe they can mold. Maybe they can use off the edge. Um, it's someone who can just cause havoc because of his, uh, because of his athletic profile. Excuse me. Um, I don't mind it. Like I'm not in love with the pick, but at that point in time, I think you draft with upside mind. And they took a kid with upside. So I'd give it a B. B minus, it was fine. It was good. By the way, the Creed Humphrey pick, A plus. But with this, yeah, I mean, it's solid pick, a good pick. I, I think a, a pick that if it doesn't work, it's just it's probably not going to work like in a big way, and he might be out of the league in a few years. But if it does work, you might look back and go, "Geez, that was a brilliant pick." So I, I thought it was good. Yeah, NFL.com had him projected as a seventh round pick. Uh, he's a you know former five star defensive end, highly touted recruit. Didn't didn't kind of work out for him as 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 well as everybody hoped in college. Lyle's right with you on this one. He said, this one's pretty simple for me. Joshua Kando is probably the highest upside of almost anyone the Chiefs could have taken with the last pick in the fourth round. He also has probably the highest bust potential of any Chiefs draft picks. So the question you have to ask yourself with this pick is, are you okay with risking a bust on a player with this kind of upside at the end of the fourth round? If you are, this is a great pick. If you aren't, then you may not like it. And it's the end of the fourth round. So at this point... I like this approach. I like the approach of, all right, we're going to take some big swings. We're going to take some big swings on these guys because they're probably, you know, if you get a boom guy in the fourth round, the impact of that over getting a guy who ends up just being a special teams player is so much greater for your team. And it's much more likely that you take some of these other guys that maybe are a safer pick. Maybe they're back end of the roster guys, especially on a team like the Chiefs. Maybe they are a special teams contributor, but you're probably not finding a ton of starters there. So you're looking for those diamonds in the rough where you know the guy has a lot of physical gifts, a lot of athletic ability, and maybe our coaches could get in there, coach him up. And now we're sitting here in a few years with, you know, it's like the value picks. Remember when the Chiefs took Justin Houston because he he, he had smoke some weed before the combine, right? And they end up with a guy who gets 22 sacks on a third-round contract. That's huge for the team. Yeah. Listen, anytime, anytime you can get premium talent for a cheap group of years, four years in the first round, five years, that helps you everywhere else on the roster. You can then invest in keeping your players. You can invest in free agency. Um, 
And people have gotten on Brett Veach in recent years about some of their draft picks. But look, if you look at Kansas City's picks, the one thing Brett Veach has done a great job of that no one can argue, they have found value late in the draft. They find guys, Lajarius Sneed, the biggest example, guys like Rashad Fenton, like guys who play, who contribute, who are sixth, seventh round picks. Sneed is a fourth round pick. You find guys, undrafted free agents. I mean, who the hell was Sharvarius Ward? And they found him. Right, like they, you know, they picked him up off the scrap heap. I mean, so they, they've done a very, very good job of that. Mike Dan looks like he's a guy who's going to be able to come in and play and, and contribute to them. Um, we'll see you with Niang, but Niang's a guy they took in the third round. They're really, really high on. Um, you know, if Creed Humphrey works out, like he was a late second round pick. Like that, those are those are home runs. Man, like everybody bitches about McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman was a late second round pick. You know, you know I me. Mean? Teams would kill to have gotten that production out of their late second round pick. Like, I think sometimes people just expect that, like, anybody who's taken should just be a pro bowler immediately. It's by the way, McCall Hardman was as a rookie. But th- there's this expectation these guys are just, they, they have to be incredible. They have to be great. And if they're not great, then what are we doing? And, and we screw this up. I think, I think Beach has done a very good job of finding value later on in the draft. And I think, by the way, this draft is going to be a case study in that. It absolutely is. Grades from Lyle, draft slot value versus reach. A, best player available. A, need versus impact, immediate impact. B, long-term upside. A, fit with the Chiefs. A, Lyle likes this pick. Overall grade of A-. minus. Uh, so we'll see. So the next... By, by the way, not to, I just wanted to... I, I just was pointing this up, and I, I just didn't have the time. I couldn't uh, filibuster enough here. Um, <laughs> Hardman was picked 56th by the Chiefs. Here are the picks before him. Like, A.J. Brown is the, is the last really good pick before him, 51. From 52 on, here are the picks. Drew Sample, Miles Sanders, Lonnie Johnson Jr., Max Sharping, then Hardman, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Tristan Hill, Paris Campbell, Nasir Adderley, Taylor Rapp, Andy Isabella, and then Juan Thornhill. Like, out of that entire group, who are the two best guys? I mean, I like Paris Campbell, but he can't stay on the field. Yeah. I mean, you would absolutely take McCall Hardman yeah. over Campbell. And by the way, of that entire group, the next best guy is Juan Thornhill. Now, I get it. You want to sit there and say, well, they should have taken DK Metcalf, who was after Thornhill. Look, everybody would <clears> agree <throat> with that, right? Like, Metcalf has become a stud. No problem. No argument there. But by the way, after after Metcalf, you're going, you're going the entire – rest of the draft not one other guy not this is actually amazing i didn't realize until just now metcalf was picked 64th not one other player has made the pro bowl out of that draft yeah so when people freak out like oh mccall hardman you want to argue metcalf okay fine but you could do that with every draft right like oh we should have taken kittle before he got to the fifth round okay well sure but you know teams knew that my point is if you get a player like Hardman in the second round, that's a good pick. That's yeah. a good pick. And if Humphrey turns out to be a top five, top seven center in this league, that's a great pick. So right. I, I think it's a really nice job. And and the book is not closed on McCole Hardman. Like just because oh, he had no over a disappointing season last year, people wanted to see they, they were expecting this big jump. Sometimes, you know, sometimes things don't just fall your way. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Let's see how the guy plays this year. He's a good contributor, a dangerous returner in, in the special teams game. Good player for the Chiefs. Yeah. Okay. 
Give this pick. This pick was was an interesting one. We talked about this as we were heading into the draft, and I asked you, "Is it time to start, you know, trying to find a tight end?" And uh, you know, because Kelsey's getting a little longer into tooth, and you said, "Not a good draft for tight ends." That's right. what you were hearing. The Chiefs took yeah. one anyway. Round five, pick one sixty-two. Noah Gray, tight end out of Duke. Your reaction to this pick? In the fifth round, um, it's fine. Look, it, it was it was not a good draft court. In fact, or for tight ends. In fact, I thought it was funny. Um, after the after the draft, I made during it, you know, Beach holds these press conferences, and he actually said at one point, he's like, "Yeah, you know." Other than other than Pitts, like we didn't we didn't have a great grade on this this class, but this is a kid who ended up falling to us that we ended up really liking. And so I think I think both things can be true at the same time. You know, they uh, I I think most people felt like yeah, not not a, a a class that you're like overly enthused about. But at the same point, Noah Gray one sixty two to the Chiefs out of Duke. He's a big kid, obviously you know tight end, but six four. Okay, weigh, weighs two forty. Like that's a guy who I think at least gives you um, another body to throw the ball to. My understanding is, and I I have not uh, I have not gone diving into this headlong here with Noah Gray in the fifth round, but my understanding is that he's a guy who can kind of give you a little bit of H back. You know, you can move him around the formation. I will say this, and of course, I am not saying he's going to be Travis Kelsey because he's probably not going to be Travis Kelsey. He kind of looks like Travis Kelsey, like when you like just the, the movement, the fluidity in his body. Um, yeah, and he also wears eighty-seven, kind of the same hairstyle as Kelsey. So maybe the Chiefs just thought, hey, this guy kind of physically looks like Kelsey. What the hell? Right, like, right. You know, maybe lightning strikes twice. Um, yeah. But he was a good value where they took him. I, I don't think that's a, a, a bad a bad pick at all there by the Chiefs. And um, again, another like a B pick. I don't I don't hate it. Uh, I, I think the tight end class is a is a poor class, but you know that's that's really more of an argument against taking a guy in the second or third round. In, in the fifth round, that size got some fluidity in him. I, I think it was a good pick, and I think he'll be a guy who'll come in and compete. Look, they've had to shore up behind Kelsey for a while now, and if this kid can do it, then that's a great pick. Yeah, the, the, what I've been reading about him, it seems like he's he's not going to be a guy who's going to stretch the field for you. He's he's not a, a Kelsey like kind of wide receiver tight end, but he does he does run some good routes. He gets good leverage, and he's he's going to be an underneath guy, right? Like he's going to be that guy that's going to be he's going to stay and he's going to help out with pass protection, and then he's maybe going to leak out a little bit underneath and be a safety valve for Mahomes. And I and I like that a lot. If they want to run some multiple tight end sets, the the book on him seems to be that he's he's not like a George Kittle like blocker, a blocking tight end or anything like that. But he's a guy that kind of does everything well. He he he'll get in the way, right? He'll be kind of a shield blocker for people. He's not going to blow somebody off the ball. But he's one of those guys that I think, and he's he's got good hands that. You know, like the way that the Chiefs were trying to use Nick Kaiser last year, right? And like he was making mistakes and everybody was losing their minds. Trying was the key word. <laughs> right. But he's a, he's a guy that I think he could be one of those players that just sort of like Mahomes, you know, Mahomes has admitted this. He needs to do a better job of, there's not a lot that he needs to do better, but he needs to do a better job of taking what the, what the defense gives him sometimes, matriculating the ball down the field and having a guy like uh, a Gray who can, 
who can be in there. And just he, defenses just aren't going to pay attention to him. They don't need him to be Travis Kelsey, no. right? They just need him to be. They need him to be competent, help out in the blocking, and be willing to do whatever it is that they ask for him to do. And when his number gets called, catch the damn ball, right? Because he's probably going to be open for five, six, seven, eight yard gains a lot. My question with Gray is, you know, because I, I went. You know, when they when they took him, I, I just sat there and watched a couple minutes of different clips of him and just trying to get an idea of what he brings to the table, what he can do. He's athletic. Like I, I don't look, he's not a burner, like don't get me wrong. Like I re, I don't know how many people will remember this. I remember when Kelsey came out, they just took him in the third round out of Cincinnati. And there was a preseason game actually against Cincinnati, against the Bengals. He caught a like a slant pass, slant pattern. And just took off and split the safeties and just ran untouched for like a 60-yard touchdown. And I remember thinking, like, oh my God, like you just never see a tight end do that. I mean, he he took off and was just gone. I mean, nobody could catch him. I don't think Noah Gray has that kind of burst, that kind of athleticism. But Kelsey's not great because he's fast. Kelsey's great, arguably, maybe on his on the way to being the best tight end of all time. Because he runs unbelievable routes. When you watch Travis Kelsey, he's a technician. Nobody at that position's ever run a, a better route tree, ever. I am curious to see, with Noah Gray, does he follow that lead? Can Kelsey get him to run routes like that? Because I'll tell you right now, if he can, Noah Gray's going to be a much better player than people think. Because he's got the athleticism to get himself open if he's got good footwork. So that that's where, to me, the kid adds some, some value He's not going to be Travis Kelsey. Nobody's going to be Travis Kelsey. But if you if you get a kid who can come in there and, like you said, look, be the second tight end in a two tight end set, maybe have you know thirty receptions. That's that's great. And then over time, hey, look, if he develops into more than that, you end up with a total steal. Fantastic. But I, I do think there's some some honest to god upside with this kid. And and I think you at the fifth round, it was the right time to take him. They traded up for him, so they clearly they they see some real value in him. Yeah, absolutely. Lyle as well. He says, my view of Gray is that he's one of the best route running and sure-handed tight ends in the class. I just don't see him as having any real value as an inline blocker. As long as Travis Kelsey is chief, a major part of the tight end two role will be to line up next to a tackle and block. And Gray is simply weak there right now. So that's really interesting insight from Lyle. Lyle, not as high on this pick. Draft slot value versus reach a C. Best player available. C, need immediate impact. B, Long-term upside C, fit with the Chief C, overall pick grade C. All right, we're going to take our last break, and on the other side, we'll break down these last two picks. All right, we are back. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, and we are breaking down the Kansas City Chiefs draft. And now we get to the pick that everybody wanted way back in round two, not necessarily this player. Look, we know this is how it works out with drafts, right? The regular Joe fan out there, and I include myself in, in, in that group of people. I'm not talking down to anybody here. You like the sexy picks, right? You like skill position players, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, you know, the guys that are going to be you know, getting their name called a lot, going to be catching the ball. And then you forget about a guy like Creed Humphrey who's in there making everything work uh, for those guys. The Chiefs go in. And they, everybody wanted a receiver. They wanted this. We need a number two receiver is what everybody's saying. Uh, yep. They draft Cornell Powell, wide receiver out of Clemson, in the fifth round with pick 181. Your initial reaction to this pick? I love this pick. 
so my initial reaction was, I don't know who the hell Cornell Powell is. I got to look this up. Because, look, my job is to know everything about the NFL. And I take a lot of pride in doing that. Patrick Schmidt's job at our company is to know everything about college football. And he does an incredible job. So whenever the Chiefs draft somebody who I'm not aware of, which is usually after about pick 100, like, hey, Schmitty, what do you know about Cornell Powell? So, look, I went back and watched this kid and actually watched a pretty good amount of him after after uh, day three, maybe during day three, because, man, is that a long day. Um, I think he's going to be good for the Chiefs. I really do. When I sat there, he, he was behind a ton of other really talented receivers at Clemson, which has been a factory for receivers in the last five, six years. I mean, it felt, hell, even longer than that. I mean, this is a school that has given us DeAndre Hopkins and Sammy Watkins and on. I mean, they they've been pumping guys out, okay. And you know, you watch you watch Cornell Powell, who really did not get on the field until his senior year. But he had 800 yards last year, I believe seven touchdowns for Clemson. Um, a really nice year, and you watch him. And it's funny because he's not overly fast. But nobody ever catches him. He's not overly tall. He's six foot, but he always seems to get higher than the defender. He's built like a house and he runs nice routes. Like, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who gets over the top a lot and is a burner, but he kind of reminded me when I was watching him of Jason Avant, like that kind of player. And for those who say, well, Eh, Jason Avant, whatever. Like Jason Avant with the Chiefs was at the very end of his career and still productive. But in in Philly, was a nice player. I mean, it was a, he was a guy who could reliably get you six hundred yards. And I I think if Cornell Powell's that, that's a great pick. Now look, if he turns out to be more than that, all the better, right? But he reminded me, and I wonder if he reminded Brett Veach and Andy Reid of Jason Avant because they're both in Philly with him. Um, but that's immediately when I watched him, that's who he reminded me of. Interestingly, his NFL comparison, uh, on NFL.com from Lance Zierlein, James Jones, he had an okay career. Yeah. Hey, listen, he turns into James Jones. That's a, that's a great pick, right? I think again, you're taking guys who, and by the way, James Jones, you know, throughout his career, he was good for a little more than a vomp at about 700 yards a year. He had the one year he went out of his mind, he had 14 touchdowns. But, uh, you know, he, if you get Powell to be a good special teams guy who can be that possession receiver for the Chiefs, that's great because you've got burners all over the field. You don't need their speaker. You need a guy at third and seven who can go get you in nine yards. I think Powell can be that guy. Yeah, Lyle does too. He says, uh, I must admit, I love this pick. A couple of weeks ago, I put Powell as one of the fifth round pick options on my multiple choice mock draft. I wasn't sure if he'd be there or not, but I couldn't be happier with the way it worked out for KC. He has the size to play on the outside opposite Tyreek Hill. And while he doesn't have elite speed or quickness, he does run really nice routes, has good hands and solid tracking ability to go up and win jump balls and runs hard after the catch. He'll be a great special teams player early on. And if he can learn the playbook and both Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes trust, he could be a starting number two wide receiver upside. Um, Lyle grades this a, a draft slot value versus reach of an A. Best player available A, need immediate impact A, long-term upside B, fit with the Chiefs A, overall pick A-. minus. Uh, yeah, Chiefs, Chiefs fans wanted a wide receiver. They wanted Joe Delaney's uh, great nephew. That didn't work out, unfortunately. 
did he go where did he end up going did he go to the chargers who's that terrace uh marshall Delaney's nephew yeah terrace marshall uh carolina carolina okay um so we'll see how that all ends up playing out you never know with these wide receivers but um let's move on to to the next pick and this one i think is probably the one that everyone's the most excited about the possibilities here and that is trey smith guard tennessee chiefs picked this guy up in the sixth round pick 226 so here's the deal the kid's a great player Uh, a lot of people think maybe a potentially a top five offensive lineman in this draft he's had an issue with blood clots very serious condition uh could be life-threatening and he has to be really careful with how he practices and when he plays that's primarily it seems the reason why he ended up in the sixth round chief's taking a chance on a kid what do you think Verderam? so i have a little bit of a perspective on this one um and i don't think he'd mind me sharing this i hope he doesn't from Jeff Schwartz, who has become a really good friend of mine. Uh, we did stack in the box together the podcast for a while. Uh, and we just remained really good friends since. And and while and and I, I'll say this by the way, in full disclosure, I never ever talked to him about his brother because I just don't think that's right. I feel like it would be violating a friendship. But when Trey Smith was drafted, Jeff texted me afterwards and was really excited about it. It's like I there's a home run pick for the Chiefs. A home run pick. And Jeff did some great work over at Fox Sports. Where and I want to shout this out because I really think actually if you haven't, you should go watch it. Um, he did videos with a lot of the top offensive linemen coming out. In, it was called Big Boys Club, O-Line Draft Academy. He's doing it with Creed Humphrey as well. Um, they're like eight-minute videos. They're awesome. He did a great job. Breaks down tape. They go through routines. They go through different things. And they talked about Trey Smith's blood clot issue. Now, this part is not from Jeff. Um this part is something actually that, that Trey Smith himself has said in the aftermath of the draft. Uh, in fact, per uh, Chiefs Wire, I've been in absolute perfect health. Smith told Kansas City media members after selection, having a great time, no issues recently at all. Obviously, things are uncontrollable, but once again, thankful for the Hunt family, so on and so forth. So um, the Chiefs then also, I think this is important to say, this is from uh, Director of Pro Personnel, Tim Terry, same article over at the Chiefs Wire, who says, well, as far as him being on the board, I'll leave that to the other teams. So we had the most confidence in Rick Burkholder, of course, the Chiefs head trainer, and Dr. Mike Minocco. They did a lot of research, a lot of work, did all the due diligence and searching out everything from his medical history standpoint. Um, and we feel really comfortable and confident that we're getting a good young man. Not only, as Pat Sperduto said, a good young football player is going to come to our building and help us elevate to the next level, so on and so forth. Okay, so... The Chiefs are saying they feel comfortable with it. Uh, now, back to my conversation with Jeff. Jeff was saying if he was if he did not have a medical red flag, Jeff believes he was a first-round pick, which is high praise being as a guard. Jeff also believes he is a guard but has the ability to play tackle. So this is, to me, if he does not have a blood clot issue, and it should be noted, by the way, he had to miss time in 2018 because of the blood clot issues, has not had to miss time in games since. He, now, he's been slowly ramping up in practice, did not practice much at all 2019 to help manage this. Last year, practiced much more, not, not every day, but much more. We'll see how this continues to go. But 
this is if he's healthy, an unbelievable bit of fortune for Kansas City. And Trey Smith, as the draft was going on, tweeted out at one point, like, we'll never forget this, and meaning that he's fell this far. So you go watch the tape of Trey Smith, by the way. You can see what Jeff's talking about where he thinks he's a first-round pick. There are clips of him in the SEC. He is just mauling guys. I mean, just constantly running guys over. I, I, I think this is a great pick. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's a, it's a sixth-rounder. If, if something, unfortunately, if there's a situation where the health becomes part of this, but that I think you got to love this pick. I really do. I, I think I think it's a great pick by Kansas City. Yeah, and you mentioned the so he has blood clots. He had some blood clots in his lungs, and you mentioned the 2018 where he missed time. And the NFL.com profile on him actually mentions that they they revisited those test results, and they think that the doctors might actually have just seen scar tissue from previous clots. Um, so he worked hard in the offseason, lost 40 pounds. Uh, and then he garnered 2019 first team all SEC honors after moving inside the left guard. Here's right. a kid who, you know, look, this is if the blood clots return, they got to he's got to sit. Right. Yep. Like it's it could threaten his life. But you hope that it's it's behind him. And the NFL.com had him is projected as a third rounder. And they, they do this great thing uh, where Zerline talks to a source and they'll, sometimes they'll put a quote with an unnamed source in there from a, from a team. And the source said to Zerline, I, I guess you don't I guess you don't like big aggressive guards, Lance. I know he has things to work on, but he can be coached up. The history of blood clots is a much bigger issue than anything on tape for me. And that was a personnel executive from an NFC team. So uh, it, it, everybody really seems to love this pick. If you haven't seen the Jeff Schwartz uh, interview that, that Matt mentioned, it's tremendous. Go find it. Um, Lyle also said, if you don't have this pick as an A for the Chiefs, I don't know what to tell you. Trey Smith was almost universally viewed as a top 100 pick talent, and the Chiefs got him at pick 226. The only reason that Smith fell in the draft was because he battled an issue with blood clots early on in his college career. The Chiefs are pretty well set at guard this season, but that means that they have time to work with Smith on some of his issues and inconsistency. If the Chiefs can get him to consistently play like his highlight reel, not only will he be the steal of the draft class, he could be the steal of the entire 2021 draft. Grades, A+, A+, B+, A, A, overall pick, A. This, well, could you see this guy? So I've seen some people say he could start. I wouldn't be totally shocked if he starts. Now, the only reason I'd be a little surprised is, man, if you're you start him and Niang and Humphrey, you're putting three guys next to each other who are all rookies. I I don't know that Kansas City would do that, but if they're sitting there and they think those are the three best guys at those positions, I'll tell you what I think. This makes me wonder: Would Duvernay Tardif is he even going to make the team? Because if Trey Smith makes the team, I mean, Tooney's making it, right? Like Normally, the Chiefs carry about eight offensive linemen. Who are the eight right now? Okay, so you go through, you say, okay, you got, you got Blythe and Humphrey at center. You've got, you've got um, Smith at guard, Tooney at guard. All right, let's just, let's just leave it at that for a second. The tackle, Brown, Remmers, uh, Niang, that's seven. That leaves you with LDT and Kyle Long and Andrew Wiley and Nick Allegretti. Now that's 11. I, I, maybe the Chiefs carry nine. Like, that's possible. They're not carrying more than nine. 
And if Mitchell Schwartz comes back, it's another guy, right? Like, my guess is at that point, the Chiefs would just trade Rammers or cut him. But, I mean, dude, that's where you are at this. By the way, just to put a bow on Smith, man came out of uh, out of high school as the number one recruit in some in some boards in the country, okay? Was second team All-SEC, was a freshman All-American, then was a two-time first team All-SEC. He was a first team All-SEC in 2019. He didn't even practice. Like, then... And and as for the guy they're getting as a human being, uh, this is all per NFL.com, receives the Jason Witten Award, which is a Tennessee award. Jason Witten won Tennessee for leadership on the field and community service off the field. He also won the Fritz Pollard Trophy for extraordinary courage and community values. I mean, this is a guy who is just a, a wonderful person by all accounts and a great football player. Won the Mr. Football Award twice. When he was in, in high school, first team All Americans. I mentioned he was he was a massive recruit. Went to Tennessee, grew up in Tennessee. Um, this is a kid who, if he works out from a health standpoint, th- the Chiefs got a phenomenal player in the sixth round. A, a kid that again, if healthy, Jeff Schwartz, who knows a little thing about offensive line, believes would have been a first round pick. Yeah, great way to kind of cap off that draft. So now, look, there's a few free agents still floating around out there, right? Some edge rushers and things like that. Nobody Has anybody signed Melvin Ingram yet? No. No, still out there. Did visit the Chiefs. So Brett Veach did mention they're working on a few of those guys, some people that they're making some moves now that the draft is over. Do you see, are the Chiefs pretty much set now for, for training camp? Do you see any sort of big moves left to be made for this team as we head through the summer? I don't think there's anything big that's left. They are heads and shoulders above the rest of the field in terms of Zubalad, certainly in the AFC, and and overall they are, by the way, as well, but definitely in the conference. I don't know that there's really anything left to them to do. You want to argue they need another receiver? Okay. Um you want to argue they need an edge rusher? That would be my biggest contention. Like, here's what I would do if I were the Chiefs. I would sign Justin Houston or Melvin Ingram, and I'd sign Breland. And then just go on a vacation until August. And then I would just I would tell Mitchell Schwartz, you decide you're healthy and you come back, call us. That's it. I mean, if this team added Breland, Justin Houston, and Mitch Schwartz, I don't know that they'd lose a game. Like, a team would be unbelievable. As it is, they're probably going to win like 14, 15 games next year. Um but yeah, listen, I think, and by the way, I want to make this point earlier, and we start talking, I got sidetracked. Everybody talking about this fact they need a receiver. I get it. I'd counter with this. The Chiefs did such a ridiculously good job fixing this offensive line. Mahomes is going to have so much more time to throw that Hardman and Robinson are just going to be better because they're going to have more time to get open. He's going to have more time to be accurate. They're going to have more time to get Clyde Edwards Lair out there. And by the way, one thing with the Chiefs that this draft clearly was meant to do, and I think free agency was meant to do, especially with the Tooney signing, the Reed signing, as great as the Chiefs have been the last three years, if there's been one knock on them, it's that they play finesse football. They are not a physical team, okay, especially on offense. They're they not a team that's going to knock you all over the field. And that's fine in, in a sense because a lot of times, look, you're kind of one way or the other. 
You know, everybody thinks of like the 80s 49ers as a finesse team. The Niners had Rathman and Craig and could just knock your block off coming off the football. I mean, the Niners were able to do that. It set up most of what they did. The reason I bring that up is I do firmly believe with Kansas City that they looked at this and said, we have got to get more physical. The, the Buccaneers beat the hell out of us. And I get it. It was a ridiculous slew of injuries. The Buccaneers embarrassed Kansas City. And if you think you know, you're embarrassed as a fan, think about how Brett Beach was feeling sitting up in the press box watching that. That's his job. Okay. They've built a line now that basically they could trot a second unit out there and they'd be all right. It was an, it's not an accident. Jerron Reed is a big, nasty interior run stuffer at times, but a big time pass rusher. Like Kansas City got meaner up front. They got more physical up front. This Creed Humphrey, Trace, these are guys who are nasty up front. This was not an accident. Joe Tooney, Orlando, I mean, you watch Orlando Brown, you want to talk about mean. Orlando Brown is a mean, mean mauler of a left tackle. None of it's an accident. The Chiefs wanted to get more physical, and I think by getting more physical in an odd way, it actually helped their passing game because it's going to buy them more time, and it's going to make the receivers better. So, I think in, in all now that we've pretty much, I think, seen the offseason, I think Kansas City did a great job. They really do. I, I think they're better than they were a year ago, and they were pretty damn good a year ago. So I, I think they're in great shape. Yeah, and I, I think Matt Connor, lead editor over at Our Attic, made a good point the other day. He was tweeting about, you know, the biggest impact that, that people are going to have on the Chiefs this season are some of these guys – that are going into their second or third year. You know, like, what is what is Legereus Sneed going to play like with a year under his belt? What is Clyde edwards Lair going to play like with a year under his belt? What about guys like Juan Thornhill, who missed time and was coming back from an injury? Now he's back to full strength and was looking great during the playoffs. They have a lot of players on this team, guys that they've drafted and invested in, who are already playing pretty well, who could take big leaps this year. And I think that's the thing that's most exciting for me is it's some of the guys that are already on the team. Yeah. Hey, listen, that's that's totally fair. Um, this offseason to me, it's it's simple. Like they they fixed their offensive line. They added another pass rusher. We thought it'd be edge. It wasn't. It was interior. But that's hey, fine. It's another pass rusher. If this team doesn't get hurt. I mean, they should win the Super Bowl, honestly. I mean, really, uh, genuinely, honestly, they should win the Super Bowl. I, and obviously, Vegas agrees with me. Um, who the hell knows who they'd even be facing? I mean, Tampa is obviously the defending champion, and you respect that. But would I take a healthy Chiefs team against them? Yeah, I would. I would. And I certainly would against Green Bay, because who the hell knows who the quarterback's going to be with the Packers, the way that whole thing's going. There's nobody else in the NFC that scares me. And in the AFC, it would, frankly, it would take the Chiefs either having a horrendous day or being hurt not to go back to the Super Bowl. They're just better than all these teams. They're better. I respect Buffalo. I respect Cleveland. I respect Baltimore. They're better. Kansas City is miles better than any of these teams. Like, go look at Buffalo. Go look at Baltimore. The Chiefs have gotten better this offseason. Has Buffalo maybe a little with these picks in the draft? We'll see. Baltimore hasn't gotten better. Cleveland's gotten better, I think. I think Cleveland, I actually think Cleveland, you can make the arguments of the best offseason in the AFC along with Kansas City in terms of teams that can get there and the Chargers. The problem with the Chargers is I don't know what the coach is, and the Chargers have just got to prove it to me. 
because we go through this every year with the Chargers where it's, hey, you know, they look great. They look great. They look great. And then eight guys are on IR to begin the year and they win seven games. So I got to see the Chargers actually do it. I think Cleveland's had a great offseason. I think they're going to be a real force. The question I have with Cleveland when it comes to Kansas City is, can Mayfield beat Mahomes? Can he do it? Because to me, I don't think the answer is yes right now. Jackson has got to prove that he can throw the ball with more efficiency and and that they can win a big game. I think she's in a great spot. (laughs) So what are we going to – so it's the beginning of May here. We got a few months. What are we going to talk about on this podcast? What should we be talking about? Cereal, uh, <laughs> baked goods. Now, listen. Yeah. You know what? I mean, obviously, all of those things will be talked about. But uh, I mean, I think a lot of it's just going to be OTAs, mini camp. Kind of looking forward. Maybe we, uh, you know, go through a little bit of a series. You know, not not for the whole episode, but you know, maybe we break down some of the Chiefs' biggest competition. Is what we see. Right, like we'll try to give our insight as to okay, this is the best of of you know the AFC North, the AFC South. Let's talk about the good and the bad of these teams, um, and go from there. Maybe we even have a whole episode we dedicate just making fun of the Raiders, who who (laughs) have no idea what's going on. Yeah, we do have a we do have one new reader review. We got to get to that. Uh, Chief and Armorillo. An excellent Chiefs podcast, five stars. Thank you so much for your support. Um, says, uh, thoroughly enjoy the content from both Patrick and Matt and Sterling and Matt. After this year's draft, I feel like the Chiefs go into this season without a glaring need at any position. How do you guys feel about the future of the offensive line after the investment made this year? What potential do you think this unit has compared to other NFL lines and other Chiefs lines in history? Thank you and go Chiefs. Well, I'll start with the hardest part of that question, I think, which is Chiefs history. Chiefs have had a lot of good offensive lines over the years. Okay. Like you go back to when they won the Super Bowl, now it's a line that had Jim Tyrer and Ed Buddy um, and EJ Holub, who was a, a guy who played both offensive line and linebacker, by the way, was a very good center. Um, that was a really good line. Really good line. Um, they had a line in the 90s, of course, with Tim Grunhardt, who's going into the Chiefs Hall of Fame this year. Uh, Will Shields, uh, you know they, they, John Alt, Zot, Dave Zot. I mean that was a, that was an excellent line for a long time with Marty Schottenheimer and that that team. And then of course the best line they ever had was in the early aughts when they had Rofe and Shields and Waters and Wigman and uh, I mean that that team was insane. And John Tate. So is this line that? No, I mean, that that line had two guys who were in the Hall of Fame, and Waters, I think, should be, okay? Um, and maybe will be one day. But I think this line's got the, got a real chance to be like that 90s line where you had all Zot, Grunhard, Shield. I mean, that, now, who's the Shields of this group? I, I don't know that there is one. I mean, you know, Will Shields is a top-five guard ever, you know? But Tooney's one of the best two, three guards in football right now, all pro. Orlando Brown is a pro bowl left tackle. I mean, John Alt was a guy who was a really good player. I'm going to look up really quickly if he was an all pro or not. Um, but I mean, you know, so maybe you have that Creed Humphrey, you know, there, there's a hope that he's a guy who could be a consistent pro bowler. John Alt, by the way, two-time all pro, uh, excuse me, two-time pro bowler, not all pro, uh, but a very good player for a long time for the Chiefs. You know, Grunhard was a guy who made the pro bowl once in his career. 
you know, and played for the Chiefs for 11 seasons. So I do think that maybe is the best comparison. You're, you're looking at a, a line in the 90s that really kind of grew up together. You know, Zot was a one-time All-Pro. Um, you know, so I could see that maybe. But I think the line's in great shape going forward. I mean, Niang's under control for the next four years. Obviously, so is Humphrey. Obviously, so is Trey Smith. Um, you have Orlando Brown, who's controlled just for this year, but the Chiefs can tag him. I would expect the Chiefs, as long as he doesn't play poorly, to work out a long-term deal. Tooney for five years. So this is a this is a line that theoretically could be together for a very long time, much like that 90s group. Did you mention my boy Casey Wigman? I did mention Casey Wigman. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Made, made, I basically just said his last name. Yeah, did make a did make a Pro Bowl there. Um love yep. Casey Wigman. Uh all right. We've got to get out of here. We just passed the hour mark. But listen, you guys have been absolutely incredible all throughout the offseason so far. Stick with us. We've got lots more great Chiefs insight to come. These guys are going to start practicing. We're going to start hearing rumors out of camp. It's going to be yep. it's going to be exciting. Vertoram's going to go go completely off the grid at some point, probably in August, and and leave me hanging here oh, about myself. <laughs> many weeks. Um, yeah, by yeah. the way, I, I, two quick notes as we get out of here. First of all, just the ridiculousness of Will Shields: twelve Pro Bowls in a row. Just so good, insane. Now, um, also. I want to say, I my wife uh, Stephanie did did the honor of buying uh, the house some Funfetti cereal. Oh no, Funfetti like the stuff that you make the cake with. Yes, it's good. It's good. good. Is it good? If we're going off a five star, you know, one to five. five. It's it's five. Uh, it's five uh, CT crunch. It's the five. The okay, CT five crunch CT scale. Cr- All right, so I'm yeah. giving it four. Giving it wow, four. it's good. It's Where'd good. You get it? And, Can I get it at Walmart? I, uh, it's a Meyer. Meyer, okay. It might be a Walmart, so I have no idea. She got it at Meyer. And I am a tough grader. Um, You know, so maybe you want to see three and a half. I'm giving it four. four. It's a a good cereal. It's not the kind of cereal you're going to sit there and house like three bowls of it because it's just got a lot of sugar, obviously. It's Funfetti cereal. Okay. But it was very good. I'm happy with it. She got like the family size box, so it's going to give me time to really Mm. go through and enjoy. Um, yeah. Very, very good. I'm looking forward to the little Debbie, uh, the um, Cosmic Brownie cereal coming out. Right. So that right. that's big. Looking forward to that. But yes, I will definitely be MIA. Uh, in fact, uh, not next week, but the week after, I'll be out for the week. My parents are coming out to uh, visit the family here in Illinois. And then, uh, yeah, taking that long Memorial Day weekend, co- actually going up to your neck of the woods, going up to Wisconsin. Um, nice. And then, yeah, from late June through like mid-July, I'm going to be in New York. So I, um, yeah, no, you're absolutely going to have to carry the day here at times because I, I am going to be in the wind big time. Yeah, I'll, I'll be traveling back and forth. We're going to be moving to our new house in Chicago sometime in mid-June. So I might have to swing by Rockford, bring over a, a couple of cigars, and maybe we, we do a little, little live podcast. In, in the flesh. It'd be great. Uh, I'm, I'm all for it. Although for smoking the cigars, I'm gonna do it outside, and my wife's gonna jump. But uh, yeah, we need to keep you alive. That's that's the big key to the yeah. podcast success. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for your support. If you like this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, and if you want to hear your question read live on the air, like we just did for Chief and Armarillo. Just head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us that five-star review, leave a written review, and at the end, ask us the question that you want to hear. We will read it on the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at, at rpatrickallen. He's at, at Matt Verderen. Make sure you are reading Arrowhead Addict every single day for all your Chiefs news, and make sure you're reading uh, fansided.com for just uh, the, the, the 
monumental amount of great NFL coverage from Matt Verderam, Matt Lombardo, Mike Tanier, all those guys over there providing great NFL content for you on a daily basis. My name is Patrick Allen. He's Matt Verderam. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Chiefs. yeah that 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 girl i dated in high school she was she's super great we're still friends but like she was she was into cooking and stuff and she just she introduced me to we were always going out to great dinners and she make the pasta and stuff but like my my contribution to that to that uh to that relationship was taking her to the all you can eat wing night at quaker steak and lube on tuesdays where i i hit my record of 76 wings and is that when the relationship ended <laughs> it, you, you would think that that would have we dated for yeah yeah we made it a couple of years after that but my god like th- there was just a time where like you can eat like Mac and I went out for Mexican last night you know Cinco de Mayo yeah. and like I didn't overdo it like I had some enchiladas and, and you know a couple beers and, and some guacamole and I get up this morning and I'm like oh god you know <laughs> I'm like I gotta ride this bike for an hour this morning to work out and it's just like when you're a kid like you just you, I house like ludicrous, like Dude. cheesy, fatty oh. things. That, well, oh, yeah. No, not anymore. I'll, I mean, not anymore. I'll- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.